You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Matt Sweetwood, and he's the CEO of Lux Now, which has seven employees and is doing about $2 million a year in ARR. Before Matt went to Lux Now, he spent 29 years as the CEO of Unique Photo. And during that time, he took them from $1 million a year to over $100 million a year. He's also the author of Leader of the Pack, which is a number one bestseller in the self-help category. Leader of the Pack tells the story of how suddenly becoming a single father made Matt a better person, leader, entrepreneur, and as you would hope, father. Welcome to the show, Matt. Dennis, it is a pleasure to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you. I'm in Buffalo. You're in Miami. We both have the same sort of thing going on here with the corona pandemic. But oh, I thought you were going to say we use the same barber, but okay. We have the same hairstyle. So frequently I get guests, especially when they're males 50 or older, usually carry this hairstyle pretty predominantly. And so welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here. Congrats on all your success. It sounds like you've had a wonderful career. Yeah, I think that I feel very blessed in the career that I had and the family life that I had. And it was only possible because I failed so many times. Yeah, love it. Well, we're going to dive into that today. So tell me a little bit, if you don't mind, about your current business, Lux Now. I did a little bit of research on it, but it's very interesting in a different business model. Share with the audience, give them a minute insight into what that does. Lux Now is a peer to peer marketplace, an online marketplace for luxury assets. Think of luxury autos and exotic autos, homes and yachts. We're a combination of, let's say, Airbnb, Toro, and Boat Setter, but in the luxury segment. We're the only platform that's like that, the only marketplace that's like that, and the only one that's featuring luxury in those three verticals. We're very excited about our business model. We've really been doing business already. We have a billion dollars plus of inventory already listed on the platform, and you know we're off to a great start. So give us some examples of the types of luxury items you're talking about. I mean, are you talking about high-end cars? Are you talking about boats? What are you talking about? Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about cars, which range, let's say, from a Range Rover up to a Ferrari and all types in between. You know, luxury vehicles and exotic vehicles like that are really actually in demand, you know, for short-term rentals. We're talking about high-end homes and high-end condominiums and townhomes. You know, our company's located in Miami and For example, Miami is the heart of luxury. People come down here for the weekend and they want to rent a shore home, be right on the beach. And we also do yachts. Not so much boats, you know, which we call a boat or a smaller boat. We're talking about yachts, you know, 40 foot, 50 foot and and larger yachts. And we offer all three and concierge service to go with it. So your model is it's a marketplace. You get people that have those assets who want to rent them out short term. And then you have buyers that come in and want to rent those assets short term. And you somehow middle that having some sort of a percentage fee for much like an Airbnb. Correct. 
So the marketplace, the concept of the marketplace is that you have a benefit to renters. They have luxury assets which are depreciating, and we give them an opportunity to earn income off of it. There are many luxury assets that people only use part of the time. There's also people who want to be able to afford a luxury asset and can't do it unless they rent it part of the time. And then on the other side, there is absolutely no easy and convenient access to luxury. Yes, you can go on some of the other platforms and search around and find it, but there's nothing to dedicate it to luxury and nothing that will actually give you a luxury experience like we do with hands-on concierge service. We are simply luxury on demand. Love it. Perfect. Okay, great. Thank you for that description and detail. So today, just to tease everybody, we're going to talk about the power and the importance of a concept called reinvention, being able to reinvent yourself, being able to reinvent your business. And I think it's really relevant and contextual right now because a lot of a lot of business owners, small and large businesses are forced, being forced to reinvent the way they do business today, even their products and services and pricing and the way people work and the way people communicate. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And Matt's an expert at that because he's had to reinvent himself and his businesses multiple times. But before we dive into that, do me one favor, answer this question for me, if you would. If you could pick any business superpower, right? Something you don't currently have, something you maybe have seen other people do that you just really wished you had that power, what would it be? I don't know if people are going to like this answer, but I really like the toughness that some of the best, the best entrepreneurs, those billionaires from Donald Trump to Richard Branson to Michael Bloomberg, just to make sure I cover both sides in there. Those guys have a little bit of a ruthlessness to them that I think has propelled them to the next level. It's not obviously the only quality, but my biggest problem in my life is I've always been too much of a nice guy. And sometimes I leave a lot at the table as a result of that. Now, obviously, I believe there's a balance, but for me, I wish I were tougher and it's something I work on every day. Yeah, got it. Perfect. No, that's interesting. All right, great. So as I shared with you guys before, today we're going to talk about this concept of reinventing yourself and your business, particularly in turbulent times like this or when your business stalls or sees significant challenges in trying to grow or even retain customers. So I'm counting on Matt to fill in the blanks for us and share what he's learned throughout his career. So take it away. Share a little bit about your background and how it's played a role in that. You know, first, I'll give you an example. You know, I came from the photography, the photo industry. And one of the things I learned over the years in that industry is that actually the best time to reinvent your business is when it's at its peak. And I can call, I can call instances in the photo industry. Sony, for example, they had a board meeting. I know people who were in that board meeting where they got presented a point of view camera and they were like, nah, we got 60% of the video camera market, video camcorders. They passed on it. Five years later, GoPro with a point of view camera owned 50 to 60% of the market and even more. Kodak did the same thing with film. They invented the digital camera and refused to pivot forward because they were doing so well with film. In my own business at Unique Photo, we were challenged several times. We used to be just a B2B business. And I watched the B2B, I watched the little stores we were selling get bought up by the Walmarts and the Kmarts and the Rite Aids and all of that stuff. We had a pivot. I pivoted to selling consumers and photographers. Then digital came along and we were a big film seller. My company sold 5% of the rolls of film sold in the United States. And we have at one point found our business disappeared overnight and we had to pivot and, and sell digital product. The retail stores, camera stores started going out of business. My final reinvention was to actually open a camera store when they were all going out of business. And I did that by 
reinventing the experience at a camera store. Within a few years, we had one of the most successful camera stores ever, and every camera store that still operates today uses a similar model to what I created. And I think even at LuxNow, now I'm not the founder of LuxNow, but the founders at LuxNow ran a brick and mortar luxury rental business where they owned luxury cars, Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Mercedes and BMWs and even owned homes and opened in multiple cities. But scaling that business became very difficult and very expensive. You have to keep buying inventory all over the place. And there's other, other competition that comes in. And so the goal in LuxNow is to find a scalable version of that business. And that's what we created with LuxNow and the app that we have in the marketplace. We were able to get assets on without investing our own capital. So I think the idea behind reinvention is that in today's world, if you're not reinventing your business, you're actually dying and you should always be looking to reinvent. I think back to before 2000, let's say, we used to say that if your business wasn't growing, it's dying. That's not good enough today. You should continually be looking to reinvent your business, find new markets, new experience for your clients and customers, new business opportunities on a continuous basis, even if you're doing well. Hey there, sorry to interrupt this episode in progress, but I have something really cool to share with you and I promise to keep it brief. I've decided to give away $100 this week to one of my growth experts listeners. Yep, that could be you. Here's all you have to do in order to qualify for the giveaway. Take a screenshot of your phone or any device for that matter showing that you're subscribed to my Growth Experts podcast and then text it to 716-218-8981. Again, that's 716-218-8981. This will get you entered into the contest and a chance to win the $100 just for listening. Number two, for more entries to win, for more chances to win, simply share any episode of my Growth Experts podcast on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or even Twitter but you have to tag me at Ask Dennis Brown in order for it to count as another entry. The more shares, the more entries. Okay, guys, that's it. For full details on this contest, go to askdennisbrown.com forward slash contest. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. You brought up a couple of interesting case studies. For example, Kodak, right? I'm in Buffalo. They were in Rochester. You know, some of the other ones you brought up. And I think a lot of those appeared to be reactionary. They either didn't reinvent or they reinvented too late, right? So that concept of reinventing at your peak or reinventing when things are going good makes sense. I guess my question to you is, you know, particularly in the small business, right? As a small to medium-sized business owner, what I find is that most businesses have a hard time just staying on top of the day-to-day of driving sales of their current product and service. And they don't spend a lot of time thinking about what the future might hold. And with everything moving so fast, I mean, with the internet and with social and with technology and 5G that's going to be happening soon and all these things that are happening, I think it's the reason why I thought this was a great topic is because it's going to get, it's going to become more and more important to take this reinvention concept to heart and that even small business owners can do it, right? So what I'd like to do if we can is how would you, if you had a small business owner, you know, someone that's doing, you know, a couple million dollars in sales, right? A small business owner doing a couple million bucks in sales and they were selling a product or service, how would you guide them? How would you lead them into this reinvention process? What tips would you give them to try to move them along that, that framework? Well, since I've done this several times, um, I can sort of give you the method that I actually employ. So method, the first step is to actually convince the business owner 
to get behind this concept. Because a lot of times they're like, look, I pay my rent, I pay my employees, I've got X amount of dollars left at the end of the month. My business has been, you know, growing at a few percent or even growing nicely. We're good. And I sit there. And so what you first do is you want to look at what are the obvious risks to your business. That's number one. What are the risks? You know, I'm opening up, you know, I'm running an Italian grocery or an Italian restaurant. And I look down the block and I see Italy is opening up. For those of you who don't know what Italy is, you know, Italian market restaurant superstore, right? You got to think about that. What can you do to sort of pivot? And there's all sorts of risks and dangers out there. That's number one, because some of them you will actually know, even if you're in denial, and then you need to react to them. But putting those risks aside and putting the potential dangers, you still want to always look to grow your business. A business not growing and adapting is a business that's eventually, eventually will fail. And so what I always tell business owners is make believe that you know very, very little about what's going on in the world other than your own business. And just analyze what your business does well. And I make them write it down. And believe me, they never like to do that. Write it down, type it into you know a Google Doc, and let's discuss it. And they're usually pretty good once you get them to do it. They list our business is really good at customer service. We have a very, very good relationship with our suppliers. We have a very special price with this particular supplier. We have, you know, excellent rent. We have, you know, a very, very good space plan, you know, or whatever. You just sort of go through these things. And then what we do is we take those qualities and we say, what other business could those qualities run? I don't want to hear any of the negatives of the business. All I want to see are what you do well. And that is always the basis for leaping into a new business. And, you know, we're right now in the heart of this crisis. So you have, for example, you know, you see if you're watching the press conferences on TV during this, you know, this coronavirus crisis, all of these companies are quickly adapting, taking the machinery and the abilities that they have, even smaller companies. You have distilleries, small breweries saying, you know, hand sanitizer is going to be something that's going to be big. So they're quickly pivoting and trying to produce hand sanitizer. Okay, that's a little more obvious circumstance because there's national call for it. But there's always an opportunity in a business to look at those things that you can do and find alternative ways to leverage those positive qualities, those assets that you have into a new business. Okay, so that's interesting. So let's talk a little bit about the unique photo business that you were involved with for almost 30 years, right? You were the CEO of that business. You started it out when it was a small business, a million dollars. Walk us through how you had to reinvent that business. You talked about it at a high level, but can you share with us a little bit of that journey? Because I think that'll really fill in the blanks because that's a that was a very typical small business providing a very, you know, let's say, let's call it a non-sexy or trendy type of product. It was just something that was a staple. Everybody took pictures. Everybody had to buy film. Everybody had to buy cameras. Tell us a little bit of how that pivoted and how you reinvented and why you reinvented in that business. Yeah, I think that I think that for me, it was maybe even a touch late that I started it, but you work really hard, you can catch up. So our business was selling film, batteries, flash bulbs, believe it or not, to small stores. At some point, I would say like in the 70s, 80% of the photo supplies were sold to independent pharmacies. And as I started to see independent pharmacies going out of business, we knew the owners because the farm the way it used to work is the pharmacist was the business owner. And he would actually sometimes buy the photo supplies. So you would speak to him and you would speak to Joe Klein and Joe Klein would say, you know, thanks for the service. 
but you know, Rite Aid just bought me out. You know, I'm gone. And I started to look at that. And then I started to look at the big stores going out. And I'm like, this B2B business is in a little bit of trouble. But let's take a look at what we've got. I have these amazing relationships with the Kodaks, Polaroids, the Ilfords, the Fujis of the world. We're buying all sorts of product from them, selling to all of these guys. I said, you know what? What is another asset we have? We are great at distribution. Because we're selling B2B, we had to be very, very accurate, very professional, and all of the things that go with quick delivery, proper customer service. So I said, you know, let's look out at the marketplace. You know what? Photographers, particularly wedding portrait photographers all over the country are not being serviced right. They're buying from local stores or overpaying from their lab. We can treat them like a business. I have the dealerships. I have the relationships. I just need to convince those companies to give me professional product. I use my distribution network. I know the business. I go out and market to them. And that completely was the first transformation, complete reinvention of our business. We were strictly a B2B business. Five years after I made the decision to do that, we were the largest seller of professional film to wedding portrait photographers in the country and completely reinvented the nature of our business. How did that impact your revenue? I'm curious because where were you when you, I guess, when you saw this coming and you started to reinvent? And then, you know, how did that impact the overall growth of the business? Yeah, the good part was that photographers use expensive product. They use a lot more SKUs than a store will particularly buy. The film itself is more expensive. We were able to buy in more volume. There's more of them at that time, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of photographers. And as a result, our revenue grew, our profit margin grew, and our revenue grew. Now, keep in mind, we still maintain the B2B business, even though it was a declining business. You always keep your, and make, you don't never give up on that existing business. I'm not saying to throw it away. You keep servicing it and try to sell it and do the best you can. But we pivoted to that business and our revenue, I mean, it was going up by 20, 30% every year. Love it. Perfect. All right. So talk about the next pivot because you went from selling B2B to pharmacies to selling to photographers and studios, and then you had to pivot again and reinvent again. Am I correct? That's right. Because I would say at the turn of the century, I love saying that, by the way, at the turn of the century, we had a five share. We sold 5% of the Rolls films sold in the United States went through my doors. By 2007, almost no film was sold. All of those small stores we were selling almost were out of business. The photographers themselves started to be impacted because Uncle Joe got himself a digital camera and started taking pictures. They themselves were slow. The photographers, unfortunately, were them themselves were slow to adapt to digital photography. So I sat there looking around. I basically waited till the last camera store in New Jersey went out of business. And I said, you know what? We're going to reinvent our brand and I'm going to open a camera store because I've been watching these guys run camera stores for my entire adult life and they're not doing the right thing. We need to reinvent that concept. And I went out, I looked at Best Buy, I looked at Barnes & Noble, I looked at the big New York camera stores, I looked at Tiffany's, I looked at jewelry stores, I looked at all sorts of things and created a different model for a camera store. We moved our entire distribution operation to a new building a new 60,000 square foot building. I convinced the town to give me retail approval and I opened a 5,000 square foot retail store. Well, the stuff that I did in that store, the reinvention of the way camera stores operate, going from a behind the counter, sell product, have the customer leave to an experiential model in the store where customers had an experience, transformed everything. Five years later, we were the third largest single location store in the country. 
And every single store that's operating today uses many of the techniques that I had put into that store. So it required a reinvention and a go back to retail. We actually went back to retail ourselves and opened the store and it transformed our brand. It did all sorts of amazing things. It also improved our relationship with the vendors. They loved our store because they viewed it as saving the photo industry. So they were very supportive of it. They got behind it. They helped us. It was really a banner time for me in my career. Yeah, I love it. So tell us about how you morphed the old school store that was kind of that had struggled and you saw the faults of to this new experiential. What was the experience like for someone that came in there? I'm just curious from a personal note, how did it differ from the original model? So the original model, everybody who's, you know, a little bit older, you know, let's say in their 40s or older has walked into a Main Street camera store where you walk in, the store doesn't smell good. It's not lit well. There's just tons of equipment jammed into the store. There's used equipment behind the counter. It doesn't even smell good in there. So you have this sort of environment where you're going in. It's very, and electronics in general always were a very adversarial kind of sale. So I created a store that had high ceilings, bright lights. It looked like a Tiffany's. All the people that I hired to work in the store were photographers, not salespeople, photographers. We would give photographic advice, not camera buying advice, how to take better pictures. That Our motto was create better pictures. That was our slogan. In addition to that, and this was the jewel of what I did, is we created a photography education program because what I identified was digital photography was a lot like operating a computer. It was complicated for people. They didn't know how to do it. We started running those classes, and in a very short amount of time, I had thousands of people a month running through my classes. And when you teach people and you instruct them on the joy of photography and how to take better pictures, your relationship changes with them from sort of that adversarial buy-sell, you want my money, I don't want to give you my money, to a mentor-like relationship. They view you as a helping hand. The store itself ran events. We ran field trips. We went to, to sporting events. We went to interesting art destinations. We had famous speakers in the place. We created this really cool, interesting, engaged environment. We allowed people themselves to come in and participate in it. I had a gourmet coffee bar in my store, so it smelled great, and people had a place to, to congregate. There was natural light coming in the store. The store was spick and span, like an operating room. So all of those little things, we focused on customer service, and nobody had done this kind of thing in a camera store model. And that created an experience that just drew people in. I was getting 80% of new business by referral at one point. So it was really an amazing experience and an amazing sort of transition to of a retail experience from a very cut and try buy and sell to an experience. Yeah. So it's really interesting to me because I've never been a retail guy, right? It's always scared the shit out of me, whether it be restaurant or just any sort of retail. It's, sure. always, it's it always, should. it always scared me. But I think what you just said was really important. And I, I don't want to gloss over it because if there's anybody who's in the retail industry, whether you're working in management in the retail industry, whether you own something retail, whatever, I don't care what retail it is, what you just said of changing the experience from an old school kind of formatted, you know, camera store into what you did with, you know, creating that experience, I think that could literally be the difference between life or death for many retailers over the next five to 10 years. I mean, wouldn't you agree? I mean, Amazon and everybody else online is eating their lunch, right? And the ex But the problem with Amazon or the challenge Amazon has is they can't create that experience. Absolutely. 
in the same sort of context, right? I mean, they have a great experience because it's very easy to order and you get your stuff very quick. But beyond that, they just don't have that smell, that touch, that feel, that emotion of the, someone that bought at your store did. So I think that that's a really, really important point. And I'm not shocked that you guys blew it out of the water and, and it became a huge success. You know, Amazon relies on other users to give advice on the product. And that sometimes works well and it sometimes doesn't. But let me tell you, it's sort of right on the point you were making. I used to have a sales meeting. One of the famous sales meetings that I had, I had all my staff in the store because I wasn't so happy with the way we were treating the customer. And keep in mind, we always treat the customer really well. I was really pushing to do something very exceptional. And I said, listen, I said, right now, as we're having this sales meeting, our potential customer is at home. They're sitting in their pajamas. They have their computer on. They're sipping a cold bread beverage. They have one window open is Amazon. The other window is porn. So they're drinking a cold beverage, watching porn, shopping on Amazon in their bed clothes at home. We have to make the experience in the store more enjoyable than that. So they put the cold beverage back in the refrigerator. They close the windows. They get dressed. They get in their car, drive through six jug handles in traffic and come to our store to buy. Yeah, that's not easy. <laughs> that's a challenge right there. You but... better have a really good experience in order to accomplish that. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, listen, anything else you want to add specifically about reinventing, you know, about reinventing your business or yourself or this whole process? We're going to ask, I'm going to ask a couple more questions. We're going to wrap it up for today, but I want to let you have any final words on reinvention. Yeah, I think that the fear of reinvention starts on the personal side. You know, if you're stuck in a bad relationship or you're not living in the right place, change is really hard. And a lot of times, you know, I give a little career advice a lot. Young people come to me for career advice. And I always try to say to them, you know, if you're not happy or it's not successful, don't be afraid to reinvent yourself. You and I talked about this a little before. We both did. We both sold our businesses. And, you know, I made the joke. I sold my business. The next day I woke up, I said, you're unemployed. You can't do that anymore. So you have to reinvent yourself and move on. And I think that if you learn the technique of personal reinvention, be it to lose weight or to just accomplish something or do something you've never done, change a bad habit, do something. If you start to develop that in your personal life, it's going to be much easier to apply in your business life. And I'm a big believer in how that personal attitude and the way you function, even from organization and everything, applies in the business. So if you learn as a human being how to reinvent and move forward, you're going to be able to carry that more easily into your business. Love it. Perfect. I think that's great advice. And I would recommend, I, it sounds to me like this is a, also, you also have an amazing book. When did your book come out, Leader of the Pack? Uh, it came out about a year and a half ago. It was a number one bestseller in self-help. And, you know, that's a heavy category. It was all the way at the top. I've got 127 five-star reviews. I have people write me all the time. The book has changed their life. And to me, that's the real reason. We all know, unless you're a very famous person, you don't write a book to make money. For me, the biggest reward of that book is that it really helps people. It really teaches them. It doesn't teach them. It guides them in how to overcome some of the most difficult you know, things that happen to them in life, how to find that strength and move on. Lead yeah. over the pack. And I think your reinvention process that you went through throughout your career in business is probably a foundation tenet of that book. I've never read it, but my gut tells me that's the truth. Yeah, absolutely. The book is about sort of being in an, oh my God, kind of place and either perishing or figuring out how to reinvent the circumstance and yourself and move forward. So yeah, the book is all about that. For Love sure. it. 
Well, listen, we're going to wrap it up. Two rapid fire questions before we go. What's your favorite growth tool or software app? Something that you find yourself using on a regular basis that helps you grow your business? I think that I'll just sort of say this in a general way. I do everything in the cloud. So whatever you use to store things, you know, I use, I'm in the Google world. So I use Google Calendar. I use Keep Notes, Google Docs. Gmail, I do all of those things. Those organization tools, if you use them on a regular basis, everything in the calendar, every note, every address, every email, you, you keep track of all of that. So I would say the Google world as a business person, if you use those kind of organization, you're going to succeed. Awesome. And listen, what would be one book besides your book that we've already talked about? What would be one book that you've either read or recommended to the audience that you think would help them along on their journey? Well, since I said to you that one of the things I'm working on myself is becoming tougher, I uh, there's a book I've read called Relentless. You should go look it out. It was a bestseller. It's written by a gentleman who uh, was Michael Jordan's personal trainer and trains a lot of very professional athletes. And he talks about how to be a closer in that book, in your life. And it's directed at business, not just directed, you know, you think you're a pro athlete, it's directed for business people and people in life. How to be tougher, relentless, and succeed. Love Love it, Matt. Let everybody know how they can connect with you, maybe on social or online, learn more about LuxNow, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Obviously, you can go to LuxNow.com. We have an app and a website. Me personally, msweetwood.com or at msweetwood everywhere on social media. I was an early adapter, so I got my name everywhere at msweetwood or msweetwood.com. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you being here. It's been a pleasure. Great interview. Thanks a lot. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.